Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 380 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm Trevor Anderson. Since you over to Jason Rugard, he's got a rundown for us. On tonight's show, we got some trivia for you, a lot of movie news, reviews for She-Hulk, Samaritan, Me Time, and The Black Phone, and we're going to be talking trailers, specifically Wednesday, The Greatest Beer Run, the new Fletch movie, and the biopic about Weird Al starring the former Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. Lots to go over tonight, and uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us on the official Movie Mavericks podcast. If you haven't done so, rate, review, like, follow, do all that kind of stuff. It helps us out great. And um, we appreciate it. But uh, yeah. lots to go over tonight, Trevor. And I know you're one for trivia. And I feel like I'm serving you up <laughs> a I? big, big fastball down the middle for you to knock out of the park. How, how are you feeling on okay. your trivia prowess at the moment? I, well, I'm never, I'm always good after I know the answer. <laughs> right? It's so obvious. <laughs> yeah. Because then it's like, oh, shit, why, I did know that. Why didn't I? Yeah. Well, I feel like this one, I'm going to preface this by saying, I feel like it's a little misleading or disingenuous at the least. So, uh, okay, so there's a trick. There's some room for error a trick here. To it. There's a, uh, a, like there's a in, movie error? There, well, there's an interpretation to this that can be interpreted certain ways. So having said that, um, okay. I was a big fan of the Elvis movie that came out this summer. You're going to catch up with it, I assume, here when it never hits HBO saw it. Max. It's coming we'll to HBO Max next week. I'm not watching it. Uh, you're missing a great care. flick. I'm not going to watch it. I'm telling you, you are missing an experience. I've heard Elvis. I, you know, I know everything I need to know about Elvis. I'm good. All right. Well, there have been a <laughs> lot of movies, shows, TV stuff that's, that's done about him. And that's kind of what our trivia question is. Oh, yeah. Now, which of these actors has not, not portrayed Elvis? You okay. have five choices. One, Kurt Russell. He was Elvis. Two, Val Kilmer. Three. He was Elvis. John Rise Myers. Yeah, he's Elvis. Four. Jeff Bridges. Hmm. Five. Kevin Costner. Hmm. Well, hmm. Yeah, right? I feel you thinking. Well, Kevin Costner. Oh, shit. I, I'm going to guess Jeff Bridges. I, you would be correct. Jeff? You would be okay. correct with that. I was going to say Jeff Bridges was never. But Kevin Costner wasn't really Elvis either, right? He was Elvis adjacent because he played an okay. impersonator in 3,000 Miles to Graceland. That's what I was going to say. He wasn't really Elvis per se. Right, but he was an impersonator. So I was going to give you credit if you guessed kind of either Elvis. of those. Yeah, he, he was. I mean, it was an Elvis Well, I don't remember movie. Jeff Bridges being Elvis ever. Ever no, but you you think he would have been because he has the chops and he seems like he would have fallen into that. You know, that. you missed. Uh, you should have thrown in Bruce Campbell. Oh my goodness! How did anybody ever overlook that? I mean, Bubba Hotep is maybe <laughs> one of the best biopics ever about fantastic Elvis. movie. Yeah, the Val Kilmer one's obscure. Well, that's true romance, as you know. Um, but you're a big fan. Yeah, but that's a that's a little obscure. I thought that would trip you up if I'm so. Being that honest. was a hard one. But you got it right away. I mean, you 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 came to you right away. I happen to know that. <laughs> I got lucky, I guess. <laughs> you know some things, you know? I got lucky on that one. Um, but yeah, that's it's kind of a distinguished list of people that have tried their hand at it. And I got to tell you, this Austin Butler kid, 
did a fantastic job. And if there's a quibble with the movie, it's not that, and it's not his performance. So I mean, I'd say just for his performance alone, check out the movie. It's eerie. All right, let's talk about some movie news, because a lot of stuff has gone on with the actors, actresses, wheeling and dealing and all that kind of stuff. But what I want to talk about at the top is that Netflix is turning 25. And I may be one of the only people in the country that still has the mail service going. When was the, when did you stop the mail DVD service? Oh, I don't, uh, 10 years ago, probably. I mean, I ran it for a little bit after the fact, but they didn't have anything that I wanted. So I quit. They do have a dwindling supply. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty bad. Actually. They're they're They don't have anything anymore. Um, I don't know. I personally, I preferred the blockbuster because, uh, Blockbuster online had, they had the the stores to pull from, so they had DVDs that, of course, had gone out of print by the time even Netflix had started. So they had a, a deeper library, actually. They did. I thought the Blockbuster service was just a better idea that you could drop it off at the storefronts, pick up something in the store. Well, not only would you over. drop it off, yeah, you'd get a free rental when you turned it in. It was it was a, a bit much. It was a bit too much, really. But uh, yeah, it was a, the better service. Actually, I would prefer. If I still just paid the $30 a month and went down with my one movie and swapped out, <laughs> to be honest with you. And it's Netflix won the streaming wars in a lot of ways in the in the early days of streaming wars. We don't know what the streaming road leads oh, to. There were, no stre- there were no streaming wars. Right. Do you recall? It was only Netflix. In 2008, when you and I were watching their streaming service, and mm-hmm. you had you could only watch however many hours you had paid for. So if your plan was twelve dollars yeah, a month, you got twelve funny. hours a month. Well, of I viewing. remember. I mean, before Netflix, Stars had their own uh, thing, and you, it was you downloaded. You had to download. There was no streaming. You downloaded and you could watch stuff, and that was like uh, kind of mind blowing at that point. And so when Netflix came out just a little bit after that, and it was streaming, it was like, oh, this is clearly the future. But there were no. Uh, uh, I mean, let's be honest. There was no competition, and like you say, it was so uh, uh, limited that it was by hour. Yeah, and, and now it's the, by stream, I guess. I, I was watching obscure martial art films on there, uh, dubbed and, and things. It wasn't like it was exactly you know, things like Half Past Dead Two. If they did have something on there that was new, it would be something of that ilk. So I actually preferred that li- that early library. <laughs> it was less. Choices I could focus. A little it was bit more limited, it. but it was still stuff that was interesting that I that I would want to watch. Like nowadays, that stuff uh, is buried. Yeah, you wouldn't find it. There was a Adrian Paul film about a guy in a in a dry garage, like a parking garage, stalking somebody. And I want to say it was called Trucks or Loaded or I forget the name of it. I have to look on MDB to actually get the name of it. I'm screwing up here. Um, hmm. And but regardless, it was one of those movies I came across because it was just there, and I never would have um, watched it before, after, or since. I think I have you seen that film? I want to say this is probably made in about two thousand four to two thousand seven ish ish. Because yeah, I mean, I remember we had a conversation about it, and um, did you enjoy it as well? I mean, are I we watched uh, it? Yeah, yeah, you did see it. Okay, I'm looking it up right now. This is going to drive me freaking called? crazy. Yeah, that's going to drive me insane. Yeah, because this is it's um, it was a little shitty B movie, but it was I mean, a now fun I little B. I kind of want to rewatch it. Okay, it's called <laughs> Throttle. Throttle. Okay, Throttle. It's from 2005. Yeah, Adrian you told Paul me about it, and I watched it, uh, and it was pretty good, as I remember. 
And you know what? I got to give a quick shout out because this director, James Seal, coincidentally, I just watched another one of his films, uh, Scorcher, with Mark Dacascos and Rutger Hauer. <laughs> that makes great views of, of like a lot of stock footage. I've been on picking that movie up for a oh, while I, I, now because I, I, I find it everywhere and I'm like, you picked it up on what? On DVD for about a buck. On DVD, yeah. That's, that's where I'm at right now. I'm about to, I keep seeing it everywhere and I'm like, God, do I pull the trigger? Yeah, so I mean, things like that were were kind of the, the joyous days of the early streaming. It's amazing that it's 25 sure. years old. I've had two DVDs sitting on my uh, counter here for probably about the last month and a half, which is how they stay stay in business. Let's be honest; that's the whole business model. Is that well, you what's use interesting it. is that you can get um, a lot of the Netflix movies that are streaming only that you can't buy. They actually don't release uh, versions of these movies for you to purchase, but you can rent them on DVD. I didn't realize that. So That's they do a press lot of those copies for some of these movies. Oh no, you can just download the stuff and make your own. That, the pirated stuff is a, I guarantee you, just downloaded. But uh, but they do have some that I've seen. I, I mean, I haven't been on the thing in a while. But back when I was on it, there were some movies that were never released to DVD for retail, but you could rent them through uh, the through the mail service. Interesting. I mean, that kind of makes sense if you don't want to pay the full bore for the for the viewership or the channel. I guess you could just. Get what I don't you know. Want, I thought it was weird. Choose. Then it's kind of weird. I mean, maybe they don't do it anymore. But I, th- I thought it was interesting. There was um, which one was there was a David Spade movie that came out not too long ago that was like that. Was it the wrong Missy? Um, I don't know if it was that one or one before that. But someone was asking like, how could you get a copy of it? And one way was well, one way you could either you know buy the bootleg, which is perfectly fine because it's just the downloaded <laughs> movie. So the bootleg quality is great for bootleg streaming stuff. But um, or you could, and I looked it up, you could rent it through the through the through the mail system, and I guess just keep it. You know, then you have a copy of it. That's totally bizarre to me that they would rent out their their stuff like that too, because you could just then make copies. Well, of what I said, even, well, but even then, I mean, you can download it. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, you can get. You can go buy software that will allow you to download uh, all the movies from Netflix, Amazon, um, Hulu, uh, whatever streaming stuff. Um, it's the same guys who did a, a lot of the DVD burning stuff. I'm not going to say too much about it, but you can go get it. It's, it's, well, look, it's to, affordable. To to you that, can get though, it. So. <laughs> to speak to that, we're going to talk about you know two of the three of the things that we're talking about on today's show in terms of the reviews are streaming straight to streaming services and I wouldn't necessarily want to own these with the exception of one but for the majority I wouldn't want to so own these a, they're pretty forgettable so there's a question though about some of that when it comes to not releasing anymore on on physical, physical. media because you like I'm a big physical media collector I, I do want to own some of these there's one of these movies we're going to talk about that I would love to own a physical copy of but I am uh, I don't know if it will, uh, what if it would get a release or not, um, but it would be amazing, you know. The other side of this is, and I didn't check, and I maybe we'll talk about this when we do the review. But where's the special features? Like I'm so lost without um, without, without the physical media, without my special features, you know. Give me featurette. Even yeah, just give me the featurette where everyone's like blowing each other. Like you're so good. Oh my god, this is the greatest time in the world. You know, at least that. I don't even get that anymore. It feels like. Do you, Unless remember, you watch like a press junket shit on YouTube or something? That's what I'm saying. Do you remember the HBO first look, which were basically just right. those uh, digital, uh, you know, production 
what were they called, those, the PK kits, and that they would just send those out to the media and they would fashion it as it was like an HBO half an hour sure, behind I the scenes have, look. I have some of those. I have a Fantastic Four one. I, I do have I, My some favorites are the Mel Gibson ones. I mean, you can find them on YouTube where he basically was directing them, running around with a camera on the Warner Brother lot. Mm-hmm. And you'd see. I mean, the actual kit. I have an actual kit. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm talking about so just these. stills and the, uh, that one might just be a DVD. But they, they used to send out the kits with the DVDs and stuff, but you used to get stills and all kinds of shit. Oh, yeah, and like an explanation of the plot and all, and all that for, yeah. for writers to do their articles on the run times. But mm-hmm. I just think that uh, I, I miss the – I was thinking about that the other day. I, I miss – and, you know, the fucked up is – I want to point this out. If you buy a digital copy, it's not unanimous the special features you get from platform to platform. Apple, on their release, they'll have a lot more digital features. They'll have extras running commentary on a lot of times. A lot of times they won't, but there's certain things like my Apocalypse Now uh, redo. It has both of them Mm -hmm. on there. It has a whole slew of things. If you were to buy that on Vudu or um, Amazon, it's not necessarily the same special features that are across the board. You don't, you're buying it not even for your lifetime, you know, is the thing that bothers me. Like, it would be different if you bought it and it was like, it's good for your lifetime guaranteed, but it's not, you know. And physical media at this point is, like, all this physical media that I have, I'll be able to watch on my deathbed, you know. I have no doubt about it because all this, all the players exist now, they'll last that long, no problem. But the digital media stuff, we're talking about business deals here, companies that can just go under, can decide they don't want to distribute this anymore deals can go bad all kinds of shit you have and no I control say this, i don't like that aspect of it we gripe about this i should say having i think cumulatively we own about 400 movies digitally so we're part uh, of oh, this yeah. the problem as well but i mean for ease of use and convenience you can't beat that shit although i don't even know if you need to buy things digitally anymore because they come on the services so quickly and a lot of things, you know, barring Top Gun Maverick, I'm not sure if I would purchase many things that I've seen this year that need to be rewatched. I mostly buy older things. That's correct. Yeah. So do I. Because a lot I'm of times. Just time, to be sure that I have it. Because, yeah, well, the older stuff, especially if we're talking about. When you start talking about like streaming collections, like Netflix specific movies or. Or even movies that are Amazon specific, you know, it's rare that I really give a shit about any of those. But to some degree, just buy the service for the month they're guaranteed to be there pretty much you can watch them to your heart's content like i'm not so worried about those disappearing as i am this the studio library movies you know that that they they phase in and out from all the different uh, uh streaming services and stuff and those can just one day up and disappear when no one has any interest in them when they don't have enough value anymore where do these go yeah, let me tell you about one that I've been trying to hunt down. It's called guess Best Friends <laughs> from 1982 with Burt Reynolds and Goldie Hawn, directed by Barry Levinson. Like, why can't sure. I, it's written by Barry Levinson? Why can't I find this movie? It's not even available. You can't get it printed. You have to find like the original press copy of it. It's not digital anywhere. So there's movies that didn't make it over to the, the digital platform that need to be there. One hundred percent, yeah. Um, but let's move on. Let's talk about MoviePass because MoviePass is making a reappearance. It's relaunching and you can get on the wait list. They're claiming to have things up and running by September, which as we record is about three days away. So I'm not sure when in September they plan to have this, but is it? this Isn't is a like sudden tomorrow, two days tomorrow. Uh, that? How many days are in August? <laughs> how many? Uh, this is why I didn't sign up for the relaunch. Did you sign up for the relaunch? Mm-mm-mm. Well, no. I signed up to be, um, it's not open yet, is it? It's a wait list. Are you on the wait list? 
No. I just don't but have is any the faith wait list in this open? It, it, it's officially open, yes. You're getting on there and you get on the wait list, aren't you? What don't, are you talking the about? Don't listen to my... You're not hearing... The uh, shenanigans the that this fucking closed. company has put us on... The, the only way to join will be through an invite, so... Jason, oh. I'm gonna need I'm gonna need an invite, buddy. When you're ready, I, what are they gonna have? Fucking like Fire Island? They're gonna um, have the I movie am, pass yeah, festival. I'm rather uninterested in movie pass right now because I couldn't. Um, well, first of all, I have Dollar Tuesdays here for whatever fucking movie I want to see. Kick ass. Um, so eat that, everybody in the theater. I got a second run theater right here. Um, and uh, you know, B, I just. What fucking movie? It's not like it was a couple years ago when that was shit was running. And I was like, every week, I was like, fuck yeah, every weekend, I'll be at the theater. Give me a fucking movie pass. And uh, I just couldn't imagine that right now. No way in hell. There's no content, even in the middle of the summer, which is why they're coming back out. They know that the attendance is low. Regal's going to be closing down. They filed for bankruptcy, basically. Uh, it's It's a shit show here. And I'm not sure who's behind this relaunch, this exclusivity thing. Is oh, it was the original no owner, right? I mean, isn't that what it said? It was the guy because it got sold to the hedge fund, and the hedge fund drove it into the ground. They said, and so he they're gonna t- they bought it back, and now they're gonna run it correctly. I just think, yeah, what's I the have correct no way faith. to run this fucking thing? <laughs> yeah, there's no correct way. I don't understand how this works. You know, if someone has to make money, so someone's paying for this, it's gonna be us, I guess. I don't understand how it would work. Maybe in a couple years when know. Hollywood's back on its feet in terms of blockbusters every weekend and just you know dozens of things a month that I want to see. But right now I couldn't use I couldn't care less about Movie Pass in the last five years, even pre shutdown. I mean, two thousand nine. I think it went out of business in July of eighteen, technically, and even in nineteen, there, I wouldn't have been able to use it like I wanted to. I mean, I wasn't particularly thrilled with the offerings that year, so. I don't know. I don't think it's that great of a value. I really don't. Yeah, used to be, but yeah. It, it was even when it's when I had it initially, and they would say, "Oh, we ran out of tickets." Remember me texting you that they yeah, ran out of fucking tickets. Like, what do you mean you ran out of tickets? <laughs> oh, you only bought so many from this theater, and they've got all used up. It's like, well, I'm paying for the service. I would rather have paid more <laughs> for it to work correctly than I'm, to pay less and have it break down. Yeah, you're paying for a shot at maybe you might get in. Yeah, it's so like, it's like okay. Yeah, it's a hell of a business model. <laughs> that's okay. I, that's why I'm saying I don't understand how this works, you know. Uh, but they're gonna need more content, which maybe they may get in the future. It's gonna take a lot. I mean, Warner Brothers right now is also being forced to stop uh, focusing on streaming and start getting back into theater stuff. Uh, so maybe we'll see some other companies turn. I mean, Disney kind of never gave up on the theater really because they made so much damn money in it uh so they but uh obviously that window between theatrical release and uh and streaming uh if not just straight out a lot of shit just going streaming uh did a lot of damage i think in these last couple years it really has it's fashion people to get spoiled with it and i I was wondering we'll talk about this in our reviews but i wonder if you know, if if the impact positive or negative would have even been greater in a theater as I was watching these films. Well, one problem, yeah, one issue I think is that the content's not very good. So, so when I see, I watch a lot of this stuff, and I think, God, I'd be super pissed if I paid premium money to see this in a theater. That's even worse uh, in a way. Like, so, so in a way, I agree with what with what the Discovery Plus guys are doing with the Warner Brothers saying, just no, we're not just not going to show this stuff because. 
to some extent. It's like, man, this is what you're offering? Like, why? Uh, who's going to pay top dollar for this? I'm telling you, you go to see a movie in the theater that's good, and that experience will last you for months. You'll ride 100%. that high for months, and you see a shitty movie, and you almost immediately forget about it, but it kind of puts you overall down on the experience of going because you well, know But the issue is if be. there's a bunch. Like, well, there's a bunch of turds in a row, like... Um, I don't know. Like that sticks with you after a while. Yeah, and it, it, it could be different genres too. I mean, just, there's there's different years I can look back on and go, oh, there was the writer strike was looming. Look at 2009 and the shit that was out that sure. year. You know, you could just see when there's certain things happening that are aligning to just make a bad year of films, and that'll put you off for a long time and it gets the average person not wanting to go back anymore. I don't think because it does you know, why me, would you go yeah. through all that hassle? I mean, this year was particularly bad. If I just looked, if I pulled up the top earning movies of this year so far i would be like oh my god this is not a great year for movies although top gun you know i'm ready to go back to the theater now if i just think about top gun like that experience that possibility i mean you're right you think more heavily about the the good times than the bad times but it i don't know man the scale is like shifted so much in one direction at this point it's just like god it's it's pretty amazing that um it's pretty amazing that Top Gun had the kind of audience reaction it did. I mean, we'll talk about this specifically. I want to watch it again uh, coming up here. I'm, I'm waiting for the full-on digital release and not this half-assed one. I want all the special features on this thing. And then we'll talk about a deep dive. Well, I'm but I just think 4K. it's 4K. <laughs> it's amazing that it gave people that buzz that going to the movies is a good time again. And it doesn't have to be this disappointing experience. Mm-hmm. It's the reason I didn't go see Nope. And I, I hope that doesn't sound you know pr- reactionary but i just didn't want to be disappointed yeah because it and felt heard like a bait things and about it, but i know i feel like i feel the same way about you like i'm almost afraid to watch that after seeing uh i don't know like i, I don't really want to watch another demise of like an m night Shyamalan type uh director again it's so uninteresting by the end of it you're just like oh it's too bad you know and i just don't i'm not interested in going on that journey again that's what I feel like. It's the concept journey, right? Where the trailer's great, the concept is great, but you know that ultimately the magician can't keep an even tone or a completion from beginning to end of the magic trick, whatever that may be. And that you know that there's a disappointment waiting for you after a long tease. And that's what I felt with old. And when it pays off, it's it's you know great. Signs and obviously six yeah. cents. And but it happens to all those people who get who get held up on that kind of a uh, um, pedestal. Type of storytelling. You know? I would it's even think like Nolan, I think. for 100%, like Christopher Nolan, this happened to him, you know? And it's unfortunate because movies that might be okay, that you might be fine with otherwise, the expectation just kind of ruins it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a big letdown. And I think that when word gets out like that, it, you see this diminishing effect. Even though Nope did fairly well, I mean, it did fairly well. But then again, what other competition was out there? Well, it, did, it, it did fairly well, but look at the box office for Jordan Peele over the time. And you'll see where it's heading. Well, look at something in terms of success ratio. Look at the black I mean, this happened in, in my just terms of success. Thing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. M. Knight was able to maintain it for a long time before the wheels fell off. And so is Jordan off. Peele right now. Look at those box office numbers. He's going to maintain for a little bit. But like I say, that's a journey. I don't know that I'm willing to go on a journey of diminished returns, you know? Yeah, I, I know. And I, I, I want to see it first. Let, let, it's not fair. I, I got to see Nope. I, I will be seeing it. I agree. It. I, mean, I will it, be seeing it. Fair. I agree. Yes. I, I could, we could both <laughs> love it, and this is moot. So let's yeah, move on and talk about... 
Ryan Gosling is going to be joining Margaret Robbie, his co-star in the Barbie movie by Greta Gerwig. That's getting great buzz <laughs> lately, which is odd, but that seems poised to be a hit from what everyone's saying. And they are teaming up, well, Warner Brothers is teaming them up for Ocean's Eleven, a prequel film directed by Jay Roach what? of the Austin Powers series. Very bizarre. Uh, I mean, it's going to be set in the 1960s with yeah, a European flavor. What are we doing here? Um, I don't, uh, I don't know. I like a lot of Jay Roach's stuff. Um, he's, a uh, what's the, the broken lizard guy? He's part of that group. Oh, with the Jack, uh, Jay Shanda. No, no, no. That's, um, Jay Shaver. Am I thinking of somebody else? Shand- yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's you're the thinking other guy. Of that guy. Yeah. No, Jay Roach is, uh, Austin Powers. Um, I want to say he did the big short as well. Um, oh, you're not right, the big you're short. Right. He did bombshell. Um, and, um, you know, um, he's, he's, been around for quite a while uh-huh. recount yeah, you're right uh, yeah, the hbo film what are your uh, thoughts here i don't know i don't i have no interest in ocean anything at this point do you think it's weird that they're giving up on the sandra bullock storyline that they're not moving forward with any that did subsequence fairly well um i don't know sandra bullock seems to be uninterested in sequels i'm just or gonna put that out there because she's had quite a bit of hits that just that, that I think beg for a sequel that we get none. So hold on, wait, I wait, think wait. Yeah. is Speed Two the only sequel she's ever appeared in. No, Miss Congeniality uh, Two. She did Miss, Miss Congeniality. She did, but they're all those are all old, right? But I'm trying she to think what other she sequels won't do she appeared like in. A sequel um, to any of her movies that make money. So I don't know. She might just be uninterested in sequels, which is fine. So I don't know. But I uh, the ocean stuff is played out. Like I think we all get it at this point. It's just cool for being the sake of cool. I tried to rewatch the first one recently, and it's deadly dull. I don't remember it being that dull, and I yeah. think that in the second one is so glib that it's hard to get behind for me. And the third one, I think, is actually the gem of the bunch, but it's so slight that it's not really much of anything. But that filmmaking style, I mean, Ocean's Eleven, if anything, kind of made uh, very mainstream a certain type of filmmaking, a certain type of cutting you know, even television uh, mimicked it for a long time thereafter. I'd say CSI even with a lot of their cuts and the way they do stuff was very Soderbergh-esque uh, from that period. What do, what do you think about the original Oceans movies? Uh, I remember liking them. I've not seen them in a long time, but I'm going to guess a lot of Soderbergh stuff is uh, uh, basic. I don't know if that's the right word to use or if that's descriptive enough but it's very uh 90s you know he's very um uh, uh what's the word what, what how would you describe that basic right he's just very to the point it's like a very uh, minimalistic sparse. yeah minimalistic yeah sparse very 90s indie you know and then he's never really lost that he's always had that with everything that he's made so they play like that and they're fine i remember watching oceans 13 and thinking Okay, like at this point, like we've gone through this whole vo- this voyage with all these characters and everything, and I'm I'm fairly with it. Like I get the 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 uh, the overall you know camaraderie and everything that's working here, and then it ends, and you're kind of like, okay, that was good. This need to revive that or keep that going, like it was done. We were good, you know. There's I don't think there's any way to bring this back. We're good, and it really the Sandra Bullock one even I didn't it was fine, but eh, you know. 
I mean, it, it made a lot slight. of money, made enough money to, to warrant a sequel, I think, but um, only for a business, you know, uh, decision in my mind. Like there was no, there's no artistic uh, value in any of these ocean stuff. Well, even the original, the Sinatra one's awful. Let's be honest. That that these are all an improvement yes, on the source material. But they, but you have to admit, like the the Sinatra one was the Rat Pack thing. It was at least it had a point to exist. They had to recreate a Rat Pack for the remakes. That's true, and it, to, to I mean to different degrees of success. I mean, I wouldn't even say that the Soderbergh ones have the whole group working and firing as a uh-huh. whole. You know, um, I, I think specifically Damon, Pitt, and Clooney gel really well together, but the other ones kind of, I feel, get lost in the pack, uh, including but Don Cheadle, in- who's very charismatic, but mm-hmm. does, I don't know why he insists on being English in that. I mean, especially coming <laughs> off his performance in Out of Sight, where he's uh, a great yeah. know, villain, a criminal from Detroit. I, I thought that I could use a little bit more of that character and less of the English blur. I mean, I would just, I would just argue that most, aside from like Julia Roberts, maybe, I think most of those people weren't famous enough to really have been uh, considered like a Rat Pack level type thing. Like those guys were kind of famous, not even for just for movies, but for other things. And uh, yeah, this felt like, more like a recreation than than anything else. A lot of these people were in '90s, um, you know, indie darlings and stuff. So I'd even say, going back to Out of Sight, that Jennifer Lopez would have been a better choice in that role than Julia Roberts. In terms Possibly, of but I think the point the desirable the, female. My, I actually disagree because the point of what they used her for in that movie wouldn't make sense. I don't think with Jennifer Lopez as much as it did um, with Julia Roberts being being with Julia Roberts past with with things uh, like Notting Hill and like a uh, you know if you think of like a big female movie star and stuff who's very recognizable. I'm going to think Julia Roberts way before I think Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, especially at that time. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. I concede that. <clears throat> Okay, let's move on and talk a little bit about Ferris Bueller. Big fan over here of Ferris Bueller. I assume you are too because anybody that grew up in our generation Bueller. saw this. I mean, we, infinitely quotable. Rewatched it a couple years back. I think we rewatched it during the pandemic. Hmm. Did not hold up well with the younger generation. I'll say that. They were not as amused at oh, his hijinks the, uh, as, as I thought they would be. The younger kids did not like it, huh? They did. They did, just didn't really think it was forgettable for them. And, you know... For, for me yeah, and the other I mean, I could understand in the room. that, I guess. <laughs> it was great. Uh, yeah. But there's going to be a television spinoff. We've already covered that there was a television spinoff in the 90s, but this is going to be another one from the creators of the Cobra Kai series. I have not done the deep dive on Cobra Kai that everybody else has. It's like Game of Thrones. I've seen a couple episodes. Yeah. I know it's good. <laughs> I just haven't dedicated the energy. I don't even know if it's it. good. I've seen a couple episodes and thought it's okay. Like I can maybe watch more, but I never did. I didn't go back. I watched half a season on an airplane and thought Johnny Lawrence still kicks yeah. ass. I'm loving everything he does, but I'm not really interested in the kids. I liked. I think I like the idea of it more than I did uh, the, actually the execution of it, but I get why people like it. And, and yeah, I, I give no faults to anyone that, that watches it and loves it. I just, it, it just didn't ring uh, true for me. My thing with the Cobra Kai series is that uh, William Zabka or in, in Daniel LaRusso to a lesser extent, Ralph mm-hmm. Macchio, you know, the Zabka guy, he went away. If you weren't following closely to low-budget martial arts movies in the 90s, you probably hadn't seen him on screen since maybe back to school. 
And it's you, you kind of maybe imagine that he's really like this Johnny Lawrence character, that he's bitter and mad at the industry. So yeah. this mystery of him played a little bit into that is what I'm saying. Hmm. But with Matthew Broderick, if he's going to have anything to do with the show, he still stayed in the limelight enough that we know what his life turned out to be, that he's not this this ultra cool character. I mean, the fact that Matthew Broderick ever even could pulled off a character that has some sort of charisma and style and coolness about him is is amazing to me because the guy is so awkward in every performance since. I mean, every single one. And that- I, but I can't think of a... Well, I mean, you're right. I, and, but, and I think he plays to that as if that's a strength, which is interesting now that you bring that up. Because <laughs> he does. I would have named another actor who could have killed that role during that era but didn't have the, well, the box office clout, and that's Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman would have been a great Ferris Bueller as a teenager. Yeah, he would have right? been. Actually, he might have been a better one because um, he has that delivery that's... Uh, it's kind of smart-alecky, kind of knowing. not at the same time. Yeah, a little... Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. Because I'm even thinking of like... Uh, even when uh, Broderick plays a cool character, he's somewhat uh, inept, you know? Always, like, there's always something... He's not quite capable completely. He's never up to the task, right? That, that's how I always feel yeah, about his Yeah, and character. it's different. Like, when I think of, like, because uh, I would, uh, here's a comparable person who I think is way cooler, but John Cusack. Yep. I mean, I it's love easy, right? I think John Cusack's super cool, but he's also, he could play a, a, a kind of adult, you know, if he wanted to. Absolutely whereas, could have done whereas, Ferris Bueller, let's be honest. Whereas if I that's think another great of choice. Broderick, there's no way Broderick's ever playing cool. I just don't think it would work. I mean, he does in Ferris. I mean, he makes it work somehow. So I that's know, a but good he's much younger. So I've, I'm thinking of like an older Broderick. I mean, you're right, but he never really. I can't think of any time ever again. Mostly, he plays to being that kind of uh, nerdy type, like unsure of himself person, uh, almost in everything. I, yeah, it's a uh, Broderick. His oh, I mean, what is he really? What's his heights after Ferris Bueller in terms of box office success? It's Inspector Gadget. Such a gadget, Godzilla. Awful. Godzilla, what? He's so miscast in Godzilla. He's so miscast. Well, in he's that not movie. cool in Godzilla either. I, I guess that's the role he's supposed to be cool in, but he doesn't. It doesn't work, right? Even at the beginning of that movie, when he's trying to get the worms and stuff, oh, it's, um, so it's bad. supposed to be a cool moment. Moment like he's able to do this, and he he seems like such a nerd. You know, uh, when the girl hits on him and she 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 thinks I'm cute, and it's like, yeah. oh god, this is so bad. I mean. It's it, just, it doesn't work any, anywhere. And well, I, especially I when you're playing opposite of like Jean Reno, you know, who's fucking cool as shit. Yeah, eating scenery <laughs> like, all on. around you. Yeah, and just dominating the scene basically. And who who is the best part of that movie? Let's be honest. He is him and Hank Azaria. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, Hank Azaria and, uh, and Jean Reno are fucking awesome in that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's it's still. I still think that Godzilla is comparable to the 2014 version, but that's just. I, I think it's better. Opinion. I like the the nineties uh, Godzilla or whatever. What it's is hard it, to say you liked it. It's nineteen ninety nine. It was ninety eight. It's hard to say you like it because it's it was such a disappointment. I'm sure I you do too like it. You saw it. It was a disappointment at the time. I hated it at the time. Uh, actually, that's not true. I didn't hate it, but I didn't think it lived up to what I wanted it to be. Um, but you know what? I had just seen uh, Independence Day not too long before that, and I love that movie, so it's the fuck ever. <laughs> I saw that movie I hate four that movie. times in I the hate theater. Independence Day now. I fucking hate it. And I can't get that through Godzilla it. movie, I love that Godzilla movie. <laughs> so explain that shit to me. 
I cannot get through Independence Day in one sitting. I have to break it up by the days. Like, it's all right, July 2nd, movie. July 3rd, July 4th. It's jarringly uh, edited. Like, the story, like, comes together so oddly. I, I, I don't... Roland Emmerich needed Michael Bay in the editing room to make that fucking thing work. Yeah, I, that to me felt like a project that he really didn't want to do. But, I mean, that's... I think we've discussed. Have we done a retro on Godzilla? Because if not, we should go back and, and look at that. Uh, and maybe do a retro. I don't think episode. we have, but I think we should. Yeah, I think that's on the, the table here at some point because um, we're we're having a spirited discussion about it, and that leads right actually into the next topic, which is Jurassic Park Dominion is going to be available on Peacock in both the theatrical and with the director's cut on September second, I believe, of uh, this year here. So about three weeks, or I'm sorry, three days. And J- Colin Trevorrow, who is the director, who every time I say Trevorrow, it looks like it's misspelled tomorrow, but that's just me. I know, right? <laughs> it's just like a spelling error. But Colin Trevorrow has pleaded with fans to not watch the theatrical cut. He says this 14-minute intro and extra scenes really helped the film. You saw this in theaters. Do you think that – which cut should I watch? I'm going to watch one. I'm not going to watch uh, them yeah, both. Yeah, I'm watching this director's cut now that this is coming out. The, the theatrical cut is boring as shit. Then how does 15 minutes help it? I don't know, but I'm watching it now. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest. Uh, I, I just, I didn't, I wanted to see this in theaters because I know the experience and the whole Jurassic Park thing and, and seeing the first one was one of the magical movie going experience. But yeah, you said it Not wasn't very great. good. Somebody else said that it was just, it was a movie. Well, you know what? You know, you remember how bad the second one was? I didn't think it was that. Wait, are you talking about oh, Lost World? Are you talking about the Fallen Kingdom? By the end of the Kingdom? fucking movie, you like that shit? Which one? Fallen Kingdom or? Yeah, Fallen uh, Kingdom. Look, the first two thirds I thought were entertaining. And then it goes. It That's a the movie shot. that it's just dog shit. It just ends dog shit. It's not really that. The first Jurassic World I thought was, was pretty good. Yes, it is. But that, that sequel is not great. And this one is a, a bit better than that one, I thought. But it's fucking boring. I watched the last two back-to-back on a plane, and I, Jurassic World is head and shoulders above the second one. I thought because I watched them in such close yeah. proximity, there was a lot of crossover. It's a direct sequel, at least. So I thought, okay, this is working. Now there's some characters I didn't care this for. This was a direct some, sequel, too. Okay, well, then, shit, maybe I might like it because I, I don't dislike this world. I think well, I like Jurassic I'm World you. more than you as so well. This is what I'm I mean, telling you. This, it, it, I would rank Jurassic World. I would rank... Dominion and then Fallen, you know. So, okay. so if you, so you, I don't think you're gonna hate it. Like it's not that it's it's so fucking mediocre. Like why did we spend how much money did we fucking spend on this? This is where I'm at with these movies. Like you can't spend hundreds of millions of dollars on shit and then it's just like you could have spent twenty bucks on it. It's the same fucking movie. Well, I, like, the fact that the, the director wants you to watch the director's cut, I'm always interested. Well, that's a little in, telling, though. Yeah, what you, what happened behind the scenes, and it felt like Universal said, "Look, we got to get this to a manageable time." Because I think it, with this extra 14 minutes, you're looking Pretty at long. about a 240 running time. I think it's at about 220ish right now. It was a long movie. It felt long. Yeah, which is another reason I did not want to go see this because you know what didn't feel long was Top Gun, which was an hour yeah, or I'm sorry, 135 minutes. So that felt like a fucking bullet. And this is a movie you could easily make a Jurassic Park just like that's why I don't understand this. Why these movies get so bogged down in a? It's it's much like the difference between the first Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park Two, 
where you have a movie that's just lean and mean and knows what it is. And then Jurassic Park 2 is like, well, we're going to make more dinosaurs. And it's so bogged down in the storyline. It's like, God, why are you trying so fucking hard? And then Jurassic Park 3 comes out and, and nobody apparently likes it, but it's like, kicks ass. That's a great fucking movie. Like, how do you not like this shit? My man, you know, yeah, so let me I'm tell you something. About all of this. The, I'm confused about most- everything people like. The most unheralded sequel or entry installment in the whole fucking franchise is Jurassic Park 3. Why does that get no love? Why is that dumped on like the like dismissed, you know, it's like it's barely canon. It's good. I don't know. I think it's good. I'd go Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park 3, uh, really, and then Jurassic World, and then Jurassic Park 2, and then Dominion, and then Fallen. Just because I thought Chris Pine was so good in that first one, I would put it behind the, you know, Jurassic right. Park, Jurassic World, and then 3 for me. Pratt. Um, and yeah, Pratt. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, one of the Pratt guys. We know what you meant. I just wanted to. I mean, I know he had, record, had his yeah. breakout role in in uh, Guardians, well, but, but isn't I thought that, that's he was I more assured in Jurassic. A hundred percent. So when you mentioned like a uh, Top Gun, like that was kind of like that feeling of that he had of that character in the in that first Jurassic World, and. I don't know. Like it kind of fall. It kind of follows that path with these characters uh, uh, that Jurassic Park Two did, where it's kind of like they lose their edge. Like now, it's more about like, oh, they're a group of people. I guess Star Wars did the same thing with all of its movies as well. Like any sequel, kind of like characters lose their edge. It feels like I don't. Sometimes it just doesn't work. All right, let's move on and talk about the passing of Wolfgang Peterson, who died this last—I mm-hmm. uh, think it was two weeks ago now—at 81. And I, you know, we were talking about these behind-the-scenes uh, EPK kits, and I was watching on YouTube the making of Troy about three weeks ago, and he <laughs> was front and center on that as the director. And I, you know, it's it's funny because on on the making of it, it's this big love show and and whatnot. But if you read anything with Brad Pitt, he says he was forced into doing it because he dropped out of the fountain with Darren Aronofsky, which Hugh Jackman ended up stepping in and replacing him. But it's it's interesting because there's no sign of that. It's just everyone's having a great time in Malta, and their mm-hmm. production couldn't have been going better. And it's just you you know really like you know behind the scenes, it was a shit show for real. But Peterson really had his moment in the sun. With the perfect storm and another boat movie, Poseidon, no oh, pun intended, I, is what sank his had, career. Oh yeah, well, sure. So he's directed a lot of really great movies that people probably don't know he directed. But uh, yeah, I mean, Poseidon definitely was the downturn, and, and I guess the end. I don't think he directed anything after that. I don't think so. Not at a not at a you know studio I can't level. Remember anything but, that he's directed after that? Yeah, and that was I mean, not a good movie. It was not a good movie. I mean, first but of all, why, I don't think Josh why Lucas does Roland is a Emmerich man. keep working? <laughs> I, I, I'm always amazed when there's a new Roland Emmerich you know? film. But but Peterson, uh, I was done. <laughs> That's it. But if you look at Peterson's filmography, obviously Das Boot is the one that the a lot of Germans broke through. Whatever. He's German, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, das yeah, Boot. absolutely. Um, but das Boot. Never Ending Story. As we've learned, yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. There's there's movies that you didn't know. Either, but it's Das Boot, apparently. That's oh, the, I thought it was always boot. Our, our German friend uh, told us it's Das oh, okay. Boot. We only Americans say Das Boot, apparently. All right. Sorry, Patrick. I've got Patrick enough. Wall. Yep. We do have Patrick a couple Wall. fans he in Germany. And Patrick Recently Wall let us know it. that. He says Das Boot, you idiots. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're American. We're stupid. So you got to forgive us. It's um, true. But anyhow, yeah, Never Any Story, Enemy Mine, which I, I always thought Enemy was a favorite mine. of mine. That's a fucking overlooked movie. I love yeah. that movie. Favorite of mine. Um, also, uh, one of my favorite Clint Eastwood movies, In the Line of Fire. 
absolute gem. Um, which Malkovich is fucking crazy in it because he's always crazy. Malkovich is the, awesome. The way he built that gun, he basically had a 3D printer back in right? the day. Remember that? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, fucking awesome. <laughs> and let's also not forget Air Force One, another right, classic probably, action film. Probably uh, his biggest movie, really. I can't think of a bigger one, aside from Das Boat. I think The Perfect uh, Storm one, may right? have outgrossed I think, it. I think, I, I believe so. Possibly, you're right, because that would have been still... Uh, that's about 2000, um, about three years later. And I want to say it made about... Twister era of like uh, those types of... Uh, uh, it's a disaster movie. Movies, disaster movies being really big. You're right. But I still feel like Air Force One uh, outlasted that. That's a big oh, it, movie, it, The Perfect Storm today, for sure. In terms of rewatchability, they're yeah. both pretty hard to get through. I got to be honest. I tried to rewatch <laughs> uh, both of them recently. Well, I haven't like tried to rewatch either one of them, so... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, Neverending Story was easier to get through than either mm-hmm. of those. So I'll have to rewatch In the Line of Fire. I think that's available right now on Crackle. I love that. Or one movie. of those streaming services. I think actually even on Amazon, but great fucking movie. So always sad to hear about the passing of a, of a great director and really a minimalist style. We were talking about the sparseness of the Soderbergh style, but Soderbergh yeah. uses a lot of those extreme color palettes and, and you know, a lot of experimental He's techniques very indie. as well. Yeah, whereas yeah, Wolfgang Peterson had a studio-friendly style from the jump yeah. and made Neverending Story basically outside the studio system in Germany and was bought by Warner Brothers and, and turned into you know an 80s classic. Just, um, I, I don't know, just a, kind of a magical film. Are you a fan of Troy? I know we did a retro from it a couple years back, but I can't yeah, recall I like if you're Troy. a big fan. Do you, do you prefer it over Alexander, the Oliver Stone film? Oh, yes, by far. But uh, Alexander has grown on me. Yeah, I would say, but I, I always, say. I've always, hands down, it's not even a, you know, a contest. Troy is way better than Alexander. Do you know what I, I would say is that for a further in-depth conversation of this, check out our Troy retrospective that we did a, I think about a year or two back. But for the briefness of it, I think that Troy is super entertaining for as mm-hmm. a movie, where Alexander is such an interesting failure. And there's such richness and texture to a lot of it, and yeah. weird little avenues it goes down that it's, to me, it's I mean, more intriguing in the long run to go back to and, and look at to be like, oh, this uh-huh. could have been something, and here, this is interesting, this sucks. I mean, those um, I would throw Kingdom of Heaven in there as one that I thought was yeah. terrible when I saw it, but really grew on me after after seeing it a couple times. Is why have I seen that a couple times? I don't know, but. Do you know which one didn't do that, which I thought would, was Body of Lies. That's another one, I, a really Scott <laughs> film that is so cold to me, yeah. I thought would grow on I me. Forget, and I, I forget. I forget it not exists. And it might as well. Just, I, might have, I'm, I should remember it exists, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I forget. Uh, that is one. Um, yeah, that did not do well when it was released either. No, it didn't. It, it tanked as well. All right, let's move on and talk about some movie reviews here. We made you guys wait 45 minutes for our reviews, and we want to thank you guys for sticking with us. But to start it off, we got to talk about what, to me, was the biggest release of the weekend. Sylvester Stallone's MGM film, uh, Samaritan, (laughs) which was supposed to be released back in 2020, had gotten pushed back numerous times, was going to be a Christmas release last year, got pushed to August of this year. And instead of going theatrical, it went straight to streaming. Amazon bought MGM a while back, and they have dumped a couple of their movies on the Mm -hmm. service. With this last weekend grossing only, the top film in the country was The Invitation, which grossed under $7 million. I got to believe that if they had put any more sort of marketing behind this, this would have won the weekend. This could have made $10 million, I believe, (laughs) at the weekend box office. I I worry that 
uh, yeah, but a win uh, uh, from this weekend is not a win. I worry that that something like this. I would rather not see numbers from this because I don't think this could. Uh, this would be proof that these types of movies are worth it. Um, I think uh, numbers on streaming would be better than numbers in theater for something like this. So I'm I'm glad that this came out streaming because I think it's a fucking awesome movie, and I want to see more of these types of films. And they they obviously, from what we've seen in the past ten years, this shit doesn't sell in theaters. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's it's uh it's the fact that this went sorry <laughs> i'm just i'm stupefied that this went straight to streaming and but i'm not didn't wrong go- man we've seen both stallone and schwarzenegger make some really great movies they both made shit but they both make really great movies that just didn't really cut the mustard you know they didn't do much here in theater and i think it's way better to have this stuff uh, on streaming at this point i'm just saying the last stallone released fail, the- you know Almost twenty million opening. Rambo did eighteen point eight million a couple years yeah, back. Yeah, those I know are that's Rambo, bigger. But uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, like I'm thinking of like Bullet to the Head and stuff like that. You know, which which were great movies. But that's what that's where this movie kind of is. This isn't some. I, I don't think this is like just because it's a superhero movie doesn't mean it's relevant. You know. It's it, that's true. Uh, it, but let's let's get into the review. I sure. was. I, I didn't know what to expect here. I was expecting something Hitchcock-like, in, or I'm sorry, Hitch-like in Will Smith film back in 2008. <laughs> this didn't have the humor of that, but my quibble with the movie, look, like, I like the movie. I'm recommending the film. It's, it's a sure. cheesy little film. I think that it owes a lot to RoboCop in a lot of ways, and in fact, there's a RoboCop arcade in the back. I felt I, like this is RoboCop 3. Do you know what that's I mean? I felt like that's what the stakes were. No, in this I thought society. this was more. I mean, I, I see what you're saying about that. I thought this was more mid '90s. I felt to me, uh, uh, like almost this was almost like a Schwarzenegger movie, but better played for a Stallone film, really. But this felt like something that Schwarzenegger might have said yes to in like '96 or something. I would even say '91. I, I go back yeah. even further, but you're you're right. I, this is this is a lost gem from that era. I, I wish that this had been made 30 years ago with a younger Stallone who was yeah. aging. I do like the whole Dark Knight Returns aspect of this, you know, with the grizzled aging superhero. I'm talking about this, the comic book, not the movies, but with that mm-hmm. kind of elder 70 year old superhero who doesn't want it anymore. There is a twist in this. Well, first of all. Stallone's great in this. He's the reason to watch this movie. He's, I think, the best thing about it. If my quibble I with the, the cast is... I thought the kid was good, is, too, but yeah. The kid's okay. I thought the kid, at some points, was a little bit raw, but I thought he was at least not your well, typical he's very Hollywood 90s. brat. He delivers a 90s uh, feel to the whole thing, which is why I thought it worked with the kid. Um, but yeah, you're Didn't right. You I mean, Stallone humor, is... Come on, when he gets hit by the car and he delivers that fuck no line, I laughed out loud. I Uh loved that line. I wish there was more of that. I thought that everybody just kind of accepted he was Samaritan pretty easily in terms of the villains. That they, or, you know, whoever they thought. But it was proof positive for the villains right right away. Because they hit him with the car. I actually disagree. Yeah, but you're kind of wrong about that because they didn't believe it until after they saw him after he got hit by the car, right? They didn't believe it before that. Even even though the kids told them that all this shit happened and stuff, and those guys were like, well, we're just going to kill him, run him over the car. They didn't believe it then even. I I just felt like a lot of this felt rushed to me. Didn't the film? I'm not for longer movies, but I thought this could have been 10 minutes (laughs) longer or so. 
Oh yeah, in that sense, possibly yes. I agree with you on that. But this is one of the this is one of the better written movies that I've seen all year. Yeah, I, I think so too. In the twist, uh, to me at least, I did not see the twist coming. I think because I believe that Stallone is always a hero uh, and will always be oh, the yeah. good guys. And you know why else I didn't think the twist was coming? Mm-hmm. Uh, and please, spoiler alerts here, guys. So fast forward a few minutes ahead. I thought that there was going to be a bit of stunt casting. I really thought you would get a an Arnold or a Dolph or somebody in Armando Sante to show up. So I thought that was going to be the reveal at the end, that there would be a stunt casting kind of move. Hmm. So that's what I was waiting for. So I didn't pick up on the narrative of it. I thought there was too many hints, way too many hints. And I called it, I won't say early, but relatively well before the ending. And nobody believed me. (laughs) But I was right because it was, I thought it was pretty obvious. Like after a while. Um, especially when, like, he was having the dreams about it, uh, which recall made me realize, oh, we don't, like, they don't show you shit of like, what happened with this. Which, if, why would they have a reason to hold that back? But specifically, the moment that really sealed the deal for me was when the kid steals the binder from him, and he goes, "Why do you have all those uh, clippings and stuff from Samaritan?" He says, "I'm just a big fan, like you." I thought, oh well, fucking yeah. Now you're just now you're just telling me, you know. That was a little on the nose in hindsight, but I was going with it at that point. I liked the the story. I liked the de- development oh, of it. Great. I liked yeah. It, it, Those it, setups, the low keyedness of it. What I was talking about, like for my complaints about prey, where like the setups are all just foreshadowing and shit. These are the types of setups that I love that make you think. You got to think about it. Like they're telling you. But they're just leaving little hints, little breadcrumbs for you to follow and try to like figure out. And maybe you're wrong. Like I wasn't, I was relatively sure, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. They could totally have just been like, fuck it. No, you were wrong the whole time. Like it was, we weren't giving you any hints. You were reading into it. You know, all that shit could be real. But that's what I find great about movies that are written like this uh, with these types of setups where uh, you have a deeper movie than what you think than what you're actually watching right because now if you go back and rewatch it which you said you did and played even better you have a different viewpoint of this fucking character absolutely it's it played i i watched it a second time before we've done this it mm-hmm. plays better a second time it, it it does knowing the twist knowing what to look out for looking at the richness of some things that i may have overlooked on the first viewing but my, my quibble still stands, and I have two quibbles. With the, it's a recommendation <laughs> for me. I think it, it fits right in with it, the, the it Stallone be a filmography. podcast if we didn't talk shit about the movies we love. <laughs> well, we also, because nothing's perfect, let's be honest. And, and these 100%. are things that I wish. Oh, I'm right uh, there and, with you. One is, uh, it, I thought it had a relatively weak set of villains. And I don't mean what the intention of the villains were. I thought the casting right was a little on the weak side. I hmm. thought I wanted something a little bit more physically imposing, something a little but less they were supposed um, to be human. Hipster. So you would want it, you would want to instead of had humans like that, you would want to have another superhero. Is what you're I just mean even actors for. that looked a little bit more physically imposing. That didn't look so mm-hmm. I, I mean, I mean one that's looked what like we, Ruby Rose, one looked like a wannabe Viking. You I, know, I, I agree with you. It, we, we were watching it, we thought, oh he's got the hammer, but it's like somebody's got the fucking hammer. Sylvester Stallone's ace has superhuman strength. This dude has right. nothing. Like two seconds. This, he catches him. He's fucking dead. You know? Yeah. So, which was something that also happened at the end of the movie, right? Which was suddenly they had this huge sprawling fucking building that they were there in for some reason. And there's like 80,000 bad guys that just keep showing up. Yeah. It's like, it, where all do all these guys come from? Yeah. 
Uh, and I thought some scenes like that where the like the head, the, you know, the girl villain, the head female villain, uh-huh. uh, going after the kid and saying certain things. I thought that had like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles vibe to it. I didn't particularly like that scene. And the CGI at the end with the reveal, I thought was this de-aging shit they're doing is so... Didn't look very good, yeah. It didn't look great. But you know what? It did overall push that 90s vibe you're talking about. So part uh-huh. of me was slightly charmed by it. But I think with, you know, looking at it with a, a critical eye and, and hearing all the negative that I thought was going to... I'm surprised this has the positivity coming out of it because... I watched it. I told you to watch it. You gave me your review, and I was, like, relieved that I wasn't the only one that thought this was fucking good. Yeah, it's a good movie. I, there are faults in this movie for 100%, but the faults... For me, most of the faults are just uh, opinion-based things. They're not like... Like, the story itself is fucking solid. It's good. Like you didn't like the bad guy so much, but the bad guy still works in this. He, he specifically worships, you, you know... Well, Stallone, I guess. <laughs> Spoiler. But that's kind of the fucking point of it, right? Like, everything about this movie is built into that the idea of the reveal, like, at the end. Like, almost all of it. And so, when you get to that point, and, and they do reveal it, it's fucking satisfying. Yes, it is. I, I thought that was the completion of it and the storytelling efficiency of it I really liked. And as a, as a viewing experience, I wouldn't have been upset if I saw this in the theater. And that's not just because I'm a Stallone fan. Neither would I. But just because it's a good I, little movie. My opinion about that doesn't matter. Like, I, you got to think business here because I want more of these. And so I do not want another bullet to the head where I watch it and, and hey, it's got a following. Like, it's fucking great. I don't want to see a movie have low numbers get reported about it because, and then whatever. And then you fucking never see the shit again. Now, I want to see more. Give me some high numbers on streaming. Let's talk about it. Uh, you know, get it moving. And they'll make a fuck another one. I hope so. I wonder what the, they throw money I away what, on streaming. The needle <laughs> has to be moved to what point to get a sequel greenlit. But I would hope that they could do this. But I really think that, you know, in terms of the audience uh, viewing numbers will be much higher for our next film that we're going to talk about, which is Me Time, the Mark Wahlberg, Kevin Hart film that premiered over the weekend on Ugh. Netflix. And I'm sure this is going to draw a much bigger audience sampling because of the pool of audience members that it goes was out it the to. Biggest, I mean, or, was I it the know. biggest launch? Wahlberg shared something like biggest streaming movie on Netflix right now. Okay, so it hit number one for the weekend, but that's not... Look, this is... Uh, I gotta be honest here. I laughed out loud two or three times in this movie. One was the beginning gag with the wingsuit I thought was was fairly amusing, but do you know what started happening is that I started realizing that this wasn't going anywhere, and by the time the third act came around, I was done with this movie. I thought that this, in terms of structure... Once Kevin Hart takes care of a situation for Wahlberg, I, and then the movie just flounders after that. This whole debt and whatnot, this financial obligation that, that's happening. From a story point, I, I thought that they were dead in the water after that. I did not find anything interesting. And I thought that Wahlberg did a very poor impersonation of what Cena was doing in a movie called Family, was it Vacation Friends? Last year on Hulu? Do oh. you call that movie? <laughs> um. Which I thought was a better movie altogether. Actually, that is a better movie. Uh, so, yeah, this is a this is a B um, comedy movie. I'm surprised to see these two guys in this, but I'm not surprised to see this is a Netflix movie because that's exactly how this plays. It's nonsense. Uh, it's not very good. 
It looks uh, like a business deal. Um, it looks like Kevin Hart is signed I mean. to Netflix. This is, this is a Netflix signed. It's so fucking safe. It's nonsense B movie everything. It's, it's what they turn Adam Sandler shit into. I from for the most part, um, which is unfortunate. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Here it doesn't. You know, and uh, it's just too straight edge. It's like not a, a so unoffensive. You know, it's it's homogenized and to the point of. I felt almost, I don't want to say embarrassed for, for Wahlberg in this movie, I was but I felt like both of them. he was just <laughs> hanging out there, I don't want to say literally naked because he was in a scene, but like as an actor, he's just doing stuff and it looked like he wasn't being directed in a certain way and I, I just, I started feeling embarrassed for him as a performer, like you're, you're trying, you're doing something, but it feels like you're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks here and uh, it really this reminded me of a really lesser like Richard Pryor type movie this this is what that reminded me of like you know I, yeah. I gotta get away it, it, like, this was the 80s this would be just a, a nothing little Richard Pryor Warner Brothers release that would make seven million dollars and disappear and no one ever talk about again it, but yeah, I mean that's what this that was hearts in it it was way too watching it look I don't know what people are going to think about this whatever else but I'm just going to say it the joke about the trans stuff where like the girls like uh, do I have a penis? Like, no, not now. But you could later on. That's like, it just to me, that felt like such a face-saving fucking joke. Like, no, we're trans-friendly. I didn't have a problem with that, per se, because it felt it, it felt like he was rushed in, in, in the moment. I, I didn't have a problem with that line. What I had a problem no. with was a 44-year-old man. The script still is doing written Burning in such man. a way. Constantly, it, yeah, well, I it, guess. They're too old. Both of them are too old for what they're playing. These are two men that are in their 40s well, and they're the playing point, yeah. a single dad and a guy who, who has arrested development. And I know that ultimately the film comes around to the, examining that in a real soft way, but it's, for, at least for the Wahlberg character, but it's the, the whole thing with where is he getting the money from? Why can he do these things? The, the, you know, the guy cheating, you know, possibly the wife possibly straying, that's from Vince Vaughn movies, like... And being, I just, I didn't think anything yeah, in I this know. felt original. I know, this is a original. lip service movie. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. This is a lip service movie. And the jokes in it, as I just explained, are lip service, right? These guys are are making, uh, saving face for themselves, trying to make themselves look good to everyone, uh, which doesn't work, right? The movie doesn't work. It's too safe. At the same time, it then tries to go overboard at a joke here or there for some fucking reason. And it feels out of place. When it does that, and it also feels, uh, and this, there were multiple moments in it that I felt like, well, that's like, it's almost woke, but it's not really woke. Like, is there a reason for like, why is it written in such a way as to be like that? Like, it feels, uh, as I as I say, it feels like they're saving face. It feels like they're trying to make themselves look. And these are both guys who have uh, cancelable past. I'll just say that. Yeah, that's true, and everything that they've done on this platform that they've released thus far. I mean, Wahlberg really is in a state of freefall in a lot of ways with his career. Uh, the last thing he did that had merit was Spencer Confidential, which was a great entry on the Netflix charts. But this has mm -hmm. been, this is subpar. Infinite is beyond subpar, even though it has a high pedigree of talent behind it. I'm really wondering what he does to get things back on the right track yeah. what franchise or, or where he's going to go with this well, he's because always had that though hasn't he mark Wahlberg? i mean god every time he has a hit god does he have a huge failure 
Yeah, he, he follows at least three up with the, with one, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, wow, man. There are some... I'll tell you, just look at his look back at his career. Like it is up and down. Yeah, I mean, the truth about Charlie was clearly the bottom barrel in a lot of ways. We were just talking about office. Perfect Storm and stuff, and and um, you know, and we were also just talking about Max Payne not too long ago. I mean, it's it's insane. No, oh, yeah, you mean even Rockstar tanked at the box office, yeah. and I like that movie. So, well, that's not. I don't think it's about like what you like. It. It's just like his I mean, career is you can so. Go, you can Rocky, go on and on yeah, movies that insane. did not perform particularly well at the box office for him, but he keeps even shooter those, once again. Yeah, but interestingly enough, a lot of those movies uh, know that they're bad. You can look at their release schedule and you can say, "Oh, like they fucking knew." They still made the movie. They still released it. They knew it was bad. They just released it and be, be quiet about it. But they're gonna still employ Mark Wahlberg next time. Hell yeah. Like he's, he's only so many guys. Yeah, he you can't stop Wahlberg. You know what the underrated one is from uh, that I keep forgetting is in the film canon of the Wahlberg is uh, Invincible, the Disney film. Yeah, Invincible is fantastic. Film. Great movie. Really good. I, I highly recommend that one. Okay, so that's a negative recommendation on uh, no go for me on me time, no go for you on me time. The next one is the Black Phone, Scott Derrickson's project where he stepped away from. Doctor Strange 2 to complete this film instead. It was uh, very praised by the critics coming out of the festivals. Did very well, almost 90 million gross. And yeah. uh, I really enjoyed this movie. Although I'll say it's not particularly scary, but it's, it's no, unsettling. No, I thought it more of a thriller. Yeah, I thought it more of a thriller. Like I didn't, there were a couple times when I, when I was like on the edge of my seat, like, oh, like what's going to happen here? But for the majority of it, not really you know it, it's more of like a, a, like a feeling breathe. remember don't breathe it was very similar to that in that it's more although that, that yeah, pushes like the boundaries f- of the grossness a little further uh, yeah I mean it's more like a feeling like a, um, like just the neighborhood like the way people acted in the movie and everything it gives you that like that kind of Stephen King dairy like uh, absolutely you know it type feeling of like of, of the settings much more than Here's the thing. Now, once he's got the kid in the thing, it kind of becomes a little bit more than that, especially whether or not the kid's going to make a certain decision. But the decisions are understood, even by us as the audience. About So it's obvious he won't make these decisions, but you, you never know. They kind of try to play it out like maybe he might make the wrong one. So I don't know. It's, but I thought this was just uh, such a... a, a satisfying ending on a movie that I and it's so obvious there's nothing about it that's like a mystery or kind of out of left field I mean, kind of is it's all set up and everything but uh, tell me did you the end of this movie or the end of all the twists as they came together how was it not satisfying it was beyond this what made the movie for me because there was a point in the second act when I thought Okay, they're yanking my chain just to yank my chain. You know, he hasn't really done anything. And there's there's allusions to some pedophilia. There's some allusions to murder. There's some allusions to this and that. But outside of some freaky masks, Mm -hmm. there wasn't really anything solid going on. And then you get that that conclusion where, like you said, the, the movie ends and I just felt it was complete. I felt like they weren't going for a sequel. They weren't going for... right. Um, they, they were was trying obvious, to elongate wasn't it? In this. some way, like as it happened, um, it was just obvious that that was that was it. It was like, yeah, it just clicks in such a way, and it's not. 
there's not just one reveal. There's like a couple of that are of great things that happen like right in a row at the end. It just like wraps the whole fucking thing up with a nice bow on it for you. I think Derrickson's vindicated for leaving Doctor Strange with this project. I think this is far more enjoyable than Doctor Strange too. A hundred percent. And Ethan Hawke does not get enough credit <laughs> he is for so how good many blockbusters and good <gasps> movies he's appeared in, how, not just indie darlings. Dude, how creepy is fucking... He, he, if you don't have Ethan Hawke in this movie, I don't think you have this movie. He is so fucking creepy and low-key creepy too. Like It's not in a way that we're like... You think like something's gonna happen immediately? Like you just know, like this dude's fucking planning some shit. He's got a screw, a couple screws loose in his head. Um, obviously, he's been abused. He, I just like the whole, all that character comes together and just a look from Ethan Hawke in this movie. It's fucking incredible. Well, I know that the production design and director take care of the masks and all that kind of stuff, the costume designer. So that's the mask is doing a lot of work. But I don't know if, who came up with, if it was the, the costume designer, delivery? if it was Derrickson. I mean, come on. The well, looks, just the, the posturing. The, the, the oh. hair, the red, the red turtleneck, the kind of uh, feminine he quality he had as well. When he drops the groceries, he's like, oh, all that shit. Like, oh, my God. Great. Come on. It's great. Yeah, no, I, I thought at first I was like, okay, is this going to be like glass? or I'm sorry, split, where we have an actor kind of showing sure. us all the different variations, but it's not. It's way more low-key than that, and it's just as effective, if not creepier, uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So uh, a big recommendation for me, I don't want to give away too much on this, because I think that this movie needs to be seen, or deserves to be seen by people that necessarily, even if horror isn't your thing, because you know me, I'm not the biggest horror guy, but I like thrillers. And this isn't, this isn't and, more and of this a kept thriller, me going. yeah. Uh, written by Joe, or original source material is Joe Hill, who's Stephen King's son. So you you were right on with the Stephen King scenario. And I don't know if the original story was set in 1978, but I like that this is. Yeah. I like that there's no cell phones. I like that the daughter or the sister has this ability. I like right? uh, Jeremy Davis uh, yeah. as the father is fucking fantastic. My God, there awful. is so much. It's good uh, acting. Everything about this movie, everything about like, this is... Again, you know, Samaritan, you got to run for your money because this is one of the best written movies I've seen all year. Uh, yeah, it this really goes on my top, top five like of the say, year. And I remember people liking movies like Hereditary and stuff like that. And I thought, man, those movies, th- those movies are a lie. Like, that's not as good as you think it is. It's not really that well written. It has like a moment here or there, but as a whole story, not great. And then I see something like this and we're talking about like people have psychic abilities and shit and like yeah this is like a stephen king movie but this is like prime stephen king like this isn't like stephen king like you know just shitting some stuff out like you know he you know the clouds have parted and you know the angels are singing to him you know this is some good shit yeah this it's to me it's a major accomplishment in this genre especially when i thought that maybe the genre had been used up and brief of ideas in a lot of ways. And just mm-hmm. a, a really straightforward, low-key, but highly effective uh, movie. And you can tell by yeah. the box office. I mean, this continued to do well week after week and turned into a, a big success for Universal, who has put it on Peacock. So if you are wanting to watch this, you can check it out right now on Peacock. You don't even need to be a subscriber to their service. Just download the app and, uh, and give it a watch. Do yourself and a favor. Know what you Samaritan and the Black Phone. Do it. As a double feature? Oh, my God. Yeah, you can't go wrong with those two. And those are really kind of both throwbacks in a lot of ways to a way that filmmaking was done in the yeah. decades past. Well, what is not a throwback and is very new <laughs> is uh, the She-Hulk series on Disney+. And 
you know, at full disclosure, Trevor and I have only seen the pilot episode, so we are going to be discussing that. I know that the second episode was released just recently. It was released third Thursday. We got the third one. Yeah. This is about a 40-minute um, intro to the character. Lots of stuff Isn't here. how long it was? It God. felt longer to me. Felt like um, an hour. <laughs> I am on the fence with this show. I will be watching another episode. It is a dog liked, shit opening episode. Let's be honest. It's dog shit. It's, it's interesting. Dog nah, shit. It, Just say it's Do you know what shit. it reminded me of? If this was animated, this would fall right in line with all this, this Marvel a, animated world. No, it's a terrible opening to a show. I, I'm, the show might be good because I've Isn't seen the trailers and... Uh, the opening episode is supposed to be like this. This is this is not good. This is a terrible way to to. This is definitely tell not show that's happening in this episode. It's just uh, my God, is it just a bunch of nonsense? You don't even need to watch this. You're good. Like you watch the second episode. It's it's a terrible. It's a filler episode to have that be your opening episode. Oh come on! I was surprised at how blatantly Ugh. they were using uh, the smart Hulk as kind of a, or just a, a, an entry point for viewers because they know that what they have on their well, hands that's, isn't that's really that interesting without it. Well, that's what I don't she think is. He's gonna be, is he going to be in the subsequent episodes? Because I don't think he's that much a part of I the doubt series. It. He's not forward. really. Um, I mean, he, that's why I was... He's not even that interesting aside from him being the reason that she is the way she is. He's really... Uh, I, we're good. Like I don't know. We spent so much time on this. It's like, obviously... She just has no interest in it, and I have no interest in it. So why are we doing it? It felt to me, you know, uh, it felt to me very. I mean, look, it's got an agenda behind it in a lot of ways. It's got a corporate mandate that you can clearly tell in some of the dialogue. Hundred percent. Once I got, you know, but I knew that going into it, so that's not my quibble with the show. But the my end quibble of it, is uh-huh. story structure wise, though they get their car gets blasted by aliens. <laughs> Well, it and doesn't she's, get blasted by aliens. Whatever. It goes off the road because she of this fucking alien shit. She just off ship. the road. Yeah. You know, which no, you can't make jokes about being a female driver or anything in the show. To make that's it a kind big of setup. Even. Now, you're missed, now, now you're talking shit about the biggest setup in the show, which is that as the Hulk, shit just seeks you out. And what happens at the end of the episode? As the Hulk, shit just seeks her out. Because there's right, no reason to rhyme for it. It just she's happens. Not abs- but that's the thing is, she goes into this like Mr. Miyagi training thing for months, apparently, if not weeks. And I'm, I'm it's, confused about that. Yeah, that seemed no, like two days, right? Where did the aliens go? She's not <laughs> well, worried about that. They explain that, that though. They do say he does explain that. Does he? That, I missed that. Yeah, then. that they uh, they were trying to they were seeking him out to give some. Uh, it was a peaceful like uh, thing. They were trying to just give him some information. Like, I forget what it was, but it was fucking nothing. They played it off like, ah, it was just some, because that was the whole setup. It was like, ah, it was nothing, but like that shit seeks you out as the Hulk. Like you kind of fucking like people seek you out to like do this kind of shit, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, this is one of the worst fucking opening episodes to a, to a TV show I've ever seen. And I'm I'm so intrigued by how bad this was that I'm watching season t- or episode two because I want to see... How this, uh, how does this spring off into an actual show? Because there's no setup for a show here other than, oh, she's She-Hulk. Like, yeah, I got that from the title. I was kind of thinking like they knew this was a, a campy deal, and that's what the vibe we were going for. So I'm still hoping that we're the vibe of the we're headed comic, down the really, camp. Though. So I'm fine with that to role. some degree. Like I, I don't really have a problem with that, but um, boy, does this just not establish anything. It establishes also, nothing. It's a total waste of time. 
I don't find her to be for for how she's strong physically and um, as an actor, you know, personality know is, that they yeah. want to make this character. I thought that it was a weak character. She's constantly in need of help. Mm-hmm from others and then says she doesn't yeah, need it but then everyone else is coming to her rescue throughout the episode so I just thought uh, you know uh, the arrogance of it either it's cast too old you know for this teenage kind of brattiness hmm. that the character seems to have or it's um, I, I don't know like maybe it's just cast I don't wrong. know because it is kind of like that the idea of like the man woman you know like a um or well, maybe I'm saying that wrong, but you know what I mean, like a, um, mansplaining and all that like shit. I mean, believe man, me. not in that sense, but like like you have um, a lot of shows where the uh, Peter Pan syndrome, where the guy doesn't grow up. Like I, I can kind of understand that in here, where you have like a, a grown woman who's still like in her mind, like a kid, still trying to figure it out. That was the Ally McBeal shit, really. Which you know? this obviously so, wants to be in a different version. Yeah. I mean, this has got that kind of. That's why so I thought we going with I mean, this I find fantastic. It highly annoying. Like the beginning of this episode, where her friends like, "Oh my god, you're the greatest person ever!" I love you. You're so good. You're so great. Like that shit's just like, oh my god. Can we not do yeah, that I, I again? I didn't need all the exposition, but I'm gonna watch the second episode. Are you gonna watch it? Me too. I'm probably gonna watch the third episode here because I'm just gonna wait until that third episode drops and then probably watch two back to back to really get an idea of. Because um, I have a feeling, I've seen the trailers, and there's more to this show. So I kind of have a feeling this was just a bad first episode. Maybe maybe the show still sucks. Possibly. But once we've, we're past this initial setup now, we have to be getting into the meat of the show. Yeah, because this you can't have too many fluff episodes. We only have, I think, eight to ten episodes for the season. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know who the bad guy is in the show. I don't know why should I watch episode two. There's no reason given in, in, in episode one to watch another episode there's none there's no setup other than she is she-hulk like what's the setup she's she-hulk shit will seek her out that's all i know that's a fucking terrible uh, uh, opening where's the hook well there, there wasn't even a twist in the pl- main no, pilot no right? shit i yeah. know that's what i'm saying this is like uh it, it's just a non-existent nothing this is like reading the the setup for a show of like what the show is well she's she hulk she she's turned into the hulk by bruce banner and then they get some blood swap and then she uh she turns into the hulk but she's a lawyer like all right well what's the fucking show <laughs> you know? like i what's get the it fucking point it's like laverne and shirley they're best friends and they work at a shop they work at the you know they they look at the bottling plant like okay, but that's not the fucking show, you know. <laughs> that's like the basis of the show, but they're they're like the setting, but that's not the show, right? Like there's well, maybe shit if they that had made the pilot the show. a two-parter, you know, an hour long or an hour and ten, maybe mm-hmm. that would explain a little bit more. And but that I think that fine, they're trying to so. keep these brief at some level. It felt long though. This one felt real long too. It did feel long, for even forty minutes or thirty-eight minutes. So that's a negative recommendation so far, but uh, I do think that there is a a potential for at least being a campy watch um, moving forward here. And Trevor says uh, no go for him, but uh, with some optimism about I'm watching more. We're going to find out. Well, maybe we'll do a second review after we watch the second or third episode. That's fair. We'll swing back around. You know, I think that would be fair. I think that's fair too. I I like how uh, judicious we're being here. We're being very, uh, or I guess we're well. To be fair, it is some of this stuff. I wonder about how they kind of make these streaming things because some of it feels like maybe it's uh, um, a long arc thing but they cut it up in such a way that um, it doesn't make sense anymore to cut it up the way they do you know like like if this was a movie and this was like the first act 
so to speak. It was a little bit longer than that, but because it's episodic, maybe they cut a little longer. But if this was the first act, that'd be fine. That would work. So is that what I'm seeing here? It's just not cut up very well because it's not... This isn't episodic at this point. Whatever I just watched was not an episode. It was something it from something longer. It felt like you said that. Now you say it, a first yeah. act of a movie. It felt like that. Isn't like that what it is? That's what I mean. So it's not a minutes, whole thing. Yeah. It's not a whole arc. I didn't see an episode here. I saw a piece of something. It's it's yeah, it ain't good. It, it ain't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna hold my judgment. Yeah, first we'll see. It, we'll it's find not. Out. It's not good. It's just. It's not what I was expecting, and it's not what I thought. That this what I would get from something like well, Disney I don't think Plus, it's good. but I haven't. As an episode, yeah, right. it's not good. As a show, I don't know. All right, let's move on to talk about movie trailers to round off today's show. First up is Wednesday, <gasps> the Netflix series coming from the mind of Tim Burton. I don't mind know if that means Burton. he's just executive <laughs> producing it. That this means is starring he Janet Ortega. Someone while he's on the shitter, and now he gets to make money. <laughs> and I think. This looks pretty fucking good. Are you good. kidding me? This looks fucking amazing. How can that be? It looks fucking awesome. I don't know. Awesome. I'm very surprised at it. Yeah. yeah I, I want to watch totally, this. I want to watch this now. Like, this looks that good. It's right in line with what the movies were. I mean, so, uh, Burton had nothing to do with the movies. That was Barry Sonnenfeld and, and whatnot. It came out in the era that Burton was dominating This still has uh, a Burton feel to it, though. But yeah. Uh, right. It does. It, it really does. And I but like this, that this young Sonnenfeld actress as well. Feel, feel as well. Yeah, it's like it a mishmash looks, of both. It looks darker in tone, but also playful in that the original ones were. But it did look, at least in the trailer, like uh, this whole going to a camp thing was kind of reminiscent of Adam's Family Value, the sequel, where sure, they sent yeah, him off so to a she summer goes camp. To, she gets kicked out of public school in this, and so she goes to some private school is the idea, it, I guess. And it has a very, like, uh, it just feels like the Adam's Family. But like you say, like the 90s movies. It feels like that. If feels like it's going to be at least more in line with what audiences are looking for than this monsters thing coming from Rob Zombie. Oh, by far. This is this is uh I don't, you know, they spent maybe a couple bucks more on this, I would guess, cuz the Rob Zombie one I'm pretty sure what they spent like 5 bucks on. Yeah, I think they filmed it on a porn set. Yeah. Uh I mean, Jesus. I I they were my may have been using you know, cameras from the 2000s, I don't know, you know, maybe like mini DV stuff looks like yeah, it's the Monsters bad. looks awful. This Wednesday looks fantastic. I mean, we're just going Legit. off a two-minute teaser coming out in the fall on Netflix. Keep your eye out for that one. We both are really excited about this one. The next is an Apple Plus release by Peter Farley, the director, the award-winning director of Green Brook, and, or Green Book. And this is right. Greatest Beer Run. Based ever. on a true story, and uh, it's yeah, the greatest beer run ever. And I came to know about this story about a guy bringing beer to his buddies in Vietnam because Pabst Blue Ribbon had a can a few years back when I was bartending. Uh, oh. I read the can, and the story was on the can. Yeah, they did. He's he's bringing a PBR, yeah. Remember that's, that whole thing? That's right. No, I do remember it now that you say that, yeah. So um, I wonder if that's where they got the source material from. Are they going to quote the can? <laughs> I mean, what's yeah. going on? They were drinking one day, like, hey, we got a movie here. Uh, yeah, most of the Apple movies, I think, are uninteresting to me, uh, and this looks pretty fucking good. Yeah, it, it looked to me lie. like it had looks the tone good. of Army of One, that Nicolas Cage movie from a few years back. That, that one, maybe Lord Rack. of War, and I'll, I'll listen, another yep. Nicolas Cage movie is based on a true uh, story like this. This obviously is not the true story. Sorry to let everyone know, even though they say right out of the, right out of the bat, a guy actually did this. I'm going to guess... Mm, probably not so much exactly like this movie portrays it 
but uh regardless of that this looks pretty interesting and a uh, fun and um as ridiculous as it sounds like a guy is just going to bring some beer to the to the vietnam war um to give to people fighting the war and stuff and, and it, it presents itself as that it soon falls into a far more interesting look at the war and like what this guy is going to go through and everything and i think yeah this is going to be good I think so, too, and I think that Peter Farley is underrated in his filmmaking ability. It's almost like when Jerry Zucker stepped away from comedies and he did serious movies like Ghost and uh, First Night uh-huh. that are actually well-made and didn't get enough credit, I don't think, for making some of those films because he was looked at as a comedic director. But in Green Book is, is classic studio filmmaking. This looks like classic studio filmmaking, uh, an efficient story, well-told. And um, I'm excited to see this one. I, I really am. So this comes out September 22nd, I believe, on Apple TV. Yeah, Next up, we have... Uh, what's this called? Is this what is this called? Uh, Confess Fletch? Is that the real Confess title of this? Confess Fletch. Yes. Confess Fletch, and this is John Hayne taking Fletch over <laughs> the role of Fletch that was played by Chevy Chase, obviously in the '80s. Greg Matola behind the the camera, the guy from Superbad, Adventureland, and I'm not fully sold on this. As it, this to me looks like a television pilot. I, yeah. I got a very CBS television pilot vibe from this. I like John Hamm. Um, I think this looks okay. I like murder mystery things and uh, Private Eye movies, so I'm definitely going to watch this. But yeah, this doesn't not really look like the Fletch that I know, and maybe that's impossible to recapture. So uh, maybe this is the best we get, and that's fine. It doesn't look bad, right? It doesn't look bad. It looks serviceable. But you know what? I kept thinking of when I watched this was Zero Effect. And how good that yeah. is, wow. you know, it, for being an oddball Bill investigative Pullen mystery movie. Out of nowhere here, okay, zero effect. Well, I mean, also, I mean, that's a good, like, kind of just oddball, like, uh, private investigative it, movie. It but, is, yeah. But what would Shane Black have done with this? I, mean, I was thinking about that, too, like, with the nice guys and mm. the way he can write this private eye and snappy one-liners. But I don't know, yeah. Um, yeah. It just to me, it, it felt um, toned down in a lot of ways yeah, from what I was expecting. I would agree with that too, and I like John Hamm a lot, and I think he plays this up uh, pretty well for this. But I agree with you on that one. It felt like a little safe and a little, yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess like the way that the other Fletch movies are, like this is more and much like everything is. I guess this is far less spoofy-ish than we used to get with comedies like that with people from, I guess, Saturday Night Live. I don't know how else to explain it back in the day when you would have, you know, character actors who were comedians. This is not that. It's, to me, it's John <laughs> Hamm is sense? not the like, this is, with, But it's far more of a real movie than any of the other Fletch movies. Like this the is more. This level is a closer. Is way down. Yeah, exactly. This is closer to a real life movie than any of the other stuff. And and it seems to me nowadays we play. They play things to be less spoofy, more realistic than uh, than they used to. Well, I mean, I think guess the source material is a little bit more hard edged than what the Chevy Chase movies were, sure. because the ending of First Fletch is pretty intense, and the storyline about. You know, racist in the South of Fletch too is, is pretty intense, but they just mock around and and fuck around with not, it. Yeah, so it's, it's not how de- it's the delivery. I think more than is what I'm talking about more than necessarily content. It's a tricky tone to establish, and I wonder if they get anywhere near it with this first one. 
because um, I, I assume there's going to be a slew of these coming if this does even moderately well. Uh, and this will be released September 16th uh, digitally and I think, think so? in a, this, a limited release. This is an Amazon thing, right? I'm pretty sure. So, Oh, is it Amazon? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Mm, am I wrong? I, I know it's one wrong. of the streaming giants. Um, and the next one we're going to talk about is Weird, the Al Yankovic story with uh, Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> portraying uh, Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> for a Roku Channel movie. And this is total bullshit. You know this, right? This I is all parody. Love this. Are you kidding me? So do me? I. I can't this wait to see this. This is a spoof of every fucking musical nonsense fucking bullshit movie that they make about people's real lives, which is not real. They're fucking not. And this thing is a perfect spoof of that. And what? How else would you imagine the weird Al Yankovic story? See, honestly, this is perfect. He co wrote it, and I wonder how he got financing for it because this has got to be a tough sell. I mean, he, they're talking about his sex and, and drug downfall, which never happened. He's a vegetarian <laughs> and, and, and totally stone sober. Oh, uh, his love affair with the, Madonna, which never the happened. Thing, the parents telling him, We're sorry, you're going to have to be different than who you are, and you're going to have to stop doing the things that you love. I mean, <laughs> give me a. It's fucking perfect, man. I perfect, think yeah. this is a fucking great movie, especially for it being the, the Al Yankovic story, but also. It perfectly spoofs uh, these true life um, rise to fame movies of any kind, really, but specifically musical ones. It, it, I yeah, a hundred percent. Well, I'm they, all they on tried board. this what about sixteen years ago with Walk Hard, which is right, exactly. moderately successful yeah. in doing this. But this to me looks like it's a little bit more. Um, I, I don't. It looks it looks more playful in a weird way. I I, I really yeah, it's perfect this right to, for the for the Al Yankovic story. This perfect. is perfect. I couldn't imagine this being any different. It looks like this would have been on Lifetime a couple years ago before Roku and these guys start buying stuff <laughs> Maybe up. Maybe because they but didn't have that. Uh, I remember that Kentucky Fried Chicken thing they had on there. <laughs> yeah, with uh, with Mario Lopez playing the Colonel from KFC. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this looks. Um, this is now on my my high priority of to watch. This will be out November eighth on the Roku channel, which is really bumping up their output of. Uh, content. So if you haven't seen this trailer yet, I really recommend that you watch this trailer uh, over any of the other 100%. ones that we talked about uh, on the show here. Yeah, but this looks fantastic. Um, overall, though, a, a strong showing for things that are coming up here with Wednesday, yeah, Grand I'm Spirit, excited. whatever, Fletch, and Weird enough, I'm excited for streaming movies. I'm excited that that we have content to watch coming up because I with the you know death of things in the theater right now there's just nothing to see and nothing to watch and I'm watching I'm rewatching old shit just to fill time. You know I don't need to watch No Time yeah. to Die again and I've watched it and I realize I still don't <laughs> like it. I'm still upset about it. Fucking movie. That movie pisses me off, but I don't want to get on that tangent. Well, guys, we've had you for an hour and a half. We've held you captive. We want to thank you for making it to the end of the show. That's going to do it for today's episode. As always, you can check out our back catalog on moviemavericks.com. Please rate, review, and uh, spread the word on the show, wherever platform you may be using. Thank you for your support, guys. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I'm Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh, my. Another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! Engage!